Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, June 1st. I'm Carol Gold and welcome to Think for Yourself. The first thing I need to do is apologize for my voice because I'm dealing with a bit of a virus, as you can hear, but I will do my best to get through the podcast. There is a word that has become pretty common in use lately. That word is systemic. We've all heard it. We've heard it in the context of the United States is systemically racist. We are a systemically racist country, which isn't true, but it's become the word of choice. In fact, in Ukraine this week, the Verkhovna Rada, which is the parliament, it's the Ukrainian parliament, they fired their commissioner of human rights. Her name was or is Ludmila Denisova. They fired her because she has been the source of a barrage of stories in Western media about sex crimes allegedly being committed by the Russian occupiers against Ukrainians during the war. All sorts of stories about rape, gang rape, and rape of older women and children, and just horrible stories. Well, it turns out Even though she said that there is systemic raping of Ukrainians by Russian forces, it turns out that's not true either. So she's been fired. So this word systemic has a lot of appeal because it sounds serious, right? It sounds like, wow, it's all through the system. In both of those instances, the use of that word was incorrect because, as I said at the outset, we are not a systemically racist country. We may have people in our country who are racist, but we're not systemically racist. And apparently, there was not systemic raping either. In fact, the last thing I heard is that there were no cases of rape that were recorded, that were verified. But I think we do have a systemic problem. I just don't think it's been identified as such. And the systemic problem that we have is that our elected government representatives, the majority of them, media personnel and media companies, the majority of them, and those who are in positions of power in our judicial system are all corrupt. That's a systemic problem. It's systemic because it's running through the government, it's running through media, and it's running through our judicial system. Now, the system is not corrupt. The judicial system is not corrupt. The government, as structured in the United States Constitution, is not corrupt. Media, in and of itself, what we call the fourth estate, that aspect of our culture that is supposed to bear witness to the news, is not in and itself corrupt, but the people running those systems are in fact corrupt. The systems are good, but the people are corrupt. 
and therefore it looks like the systems are corrupt. But you have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't want to get rid of government representatives. You don't want to get rid of government as laid out in the Constitution. You don't want to get rid of the media. You don't want to get rid of positions of power within the judicial system like the judges at all levels, like the local judges, the appellate judges, the federal judges, the, the Supreme Court justices. You don't want to get rid of those positions. You want to get rid of the people who are in them and abusing the power that they have in each one of those examples. There are endless examples of why I say what I'm saying is true. The Sussman verdict that came down yesterday is an example. Nancy Pelosi's husband picked up for a DUI over the weekend is an example. Hillary Clinton's email scandal is an example. What's being done to the January 6th defendants who are being held in violation of their due process and constitutional rights is an example. The Health and Human Services Department this week allocating millions of dollars to study the effect of climate crisis on the mental health of our young, even though they're not spending anything on looking into the effect of COVID isolation, forced social isolation and closed schools as part of the mandated COVID response is an indication and an example of what I'm talking about. Why did I say the things I just said? Well, number one, the Sussman verdict I'm going to go into in a little more detail in a minute. So let me start with Paul Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi's husband was picked up over the weekend on a DUI. You've heard virtually nothing about it. It was only covered a matter of seconds, literally, in mainstream news. Why? Because it's Nancy Pelosi's husband. And nothing's going to happen to him. Or he's going to get a minor fine because his wife is the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives and the dominant party at the moment, the Democrats. Nothing's going to happen to him. But if you were picked up for a DUI, or I was picked up for a DUI, which would really be odd because I don't drink, but you get the drift. If, if the ordinary citizen was picked up for a DUI, you better believe they'd be jailed, they'd be fined, there would be a hearing, etc. Hillary Clinton's email scandal is just ludicrous. 32,000 of them disappeared and nothing was ever done about it. The January 6th defendants, it has been documented over and over by independent journalists who've been able to either speak to their family or to their, their legal representatives are being treated terribly. And these are, many of them are in for misdemeanors. They're not even being charged with the alleged you know, insurrection that never happened, insurrection by definition that never happened. And the ludicrousness of the Health and Human Services Department allocating millions of dollars to, to study how the climate crisis, assuming we have one, is affecting the mental health of our youth. How can you doubt the mental health of our youth when they've been isolated for almost two years kept from their friends, kept from necessary social interaction at that age, it's so critical, kept at home, terrified of getting the disease, the odds of which were next to nothing for their age bracket, for those age groups that were school age. How can you not question that the system is okay, but the people running it are corrupt? Let me take a minute and go into 
<coughs> excuse me, the Sussman verdict a little deeper. As an attorney, I can tell you, it's what's called jury nullification, meaning the jury came back with a verdict of innocent despite the facts and despite the law. Now, why did they do that? Well, they did that because, number one, they ignored the facts, they ignored the law, but also there was known bias going into the trial itself. Three of the jurors were Clinton donors, donated to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Remember, Sussman is charged with being employed by Hillary Clinton and Perkins Coy Law Firm to go in and lie to the FBI. And so three of her donors, three Democratic donors to her campaign were on that jury and a donor to AOC. And the judge was a friend of Sussman's back when they were both with the, I think, Attorney General's office. Also, the daughter of one of the jurors is on the same soccer team as Sussman's daughter. And when that woman went to the judge to reveal the connections she said she didn't know she had at the time that she was voir meaning at the time that she was asked the questions as to whether or not she could serve impartially as a juror, the judge said, oh, okay, no problem. You can stay on the jury because after all, you revealed that you had this conflict. And obviously it's not a conflict if you've revealed it and you indicate that you still think that you can judge this case without bias. The evidence was overwhelming, despite the judge's every effort to hamstring the prosecution's case. The evidence was overwhelming. They had witnesses that came in to testify for Sussman that wound up helping the prosecution. It was a slam dunk no-brainer, and the jury hardly deliberated at all. Why? Well, it was a jury of his peers from the District of Columbia. What does that mean? Well, the District of Columbia voted 92.6% Democrat. That's what they vote. You've got a jury, it's truly of his peers, because they're as partisan as you can get. They were not about to convict anyone that was going to implicate Hillary Clinton. Now, I won't go into what I think this leads to because I don't think John Durham is done. I think he gained a lot more information and evidence in this case than he had before he went in. And so I think he's going to go somewhere with it. But I'm making a point, and I want to make one more point about the corruption. The people involved who are corrupt. Yesterday, Representative Matt Gates, who is from Florida, U.S. Congressional Representative, a Republican admittedly, and Jim Jordan, Republican, Congressman from Ohio, sent a letter to the director of the FBI, to Director Ray, asking him why they've uncovered the fact that the Perkins Coy law firm that I just mentioned to you that was involved in the, in the Russia hoax with lying to the FBI and attempting to take out Donald Trump with a false narrative about him and his connections or alleged connections to Russia, Perkins Coy and the FBI share joint operations space at the Perkins Coy law firm. Now, this is unheard of. This is literally, what is the FBI doing sharing joint space 
a joint operation existing within the Perkins Coy Law Firm. Perkins Coy Law Firm is a Democratic law firm that received $42 million from the Democratic Party. Now you've got the FBI working with them out of their own, out of their own joint operation. Realize that it was Sussman who went to the FBI, right? Well, guess who was running the joint operation between the FBI and Perkins Coy? It was Sussman. It's hard to believe how blatantly arrogant and corrupt these people are. But I have a theory, and I've had it for a long time. And that theory is that our leaders are a reflection of who we are. Our leaders are a reflection of who we are. So let me tell you what the comment was by one of the jurors in the Sussman trial after the verdict came down. She was interviewed and she said, the reason they found him not guilty is because, quote, there are worse things than lying to the FBI, end quote. So this is an American citizen living in Washington, D.C., who thinks there are worse things than lying to the FBI. And I guess there are if you want to talk about murder, but lying to the FBI in conjunction with work that you've falsified with the FBI. So one aspect went to the other and lied to it and then advanced a false narrative. Another word that's become really big, narrative, right? Not truth, but narratives. That advanced a false narrative to take out a United States sitting president who was duly and fairly elected by the voters in this country. Yes, there are things worse than lying to the FBI, but you're talking about a coup. You're talking about an actual coup, an attempt to take out the president. They certainly made sure he didn't serve two terms, at least not yet. It's easy to become disenchanted. I'll use a very kind word or a very moderate word. It's easy to become frustrated, to become even sort of frustratingly desperate about how do we get past all of this? I listened to an interview with Bill Barr this week. If you know Bill Barr's name, it's because he was attorney general for Donald Trump at one point in the administration up until Barr, I think Barr left the administration at the end of Trump's last year. But he was also, Bill Barr, the 77th United States Attorney General under the George W. Bush administration. The interview was fascinating. Maybe I really liked it on one level because I'm an attorney. He's an attorney. The interviewer wasn't an attorney, but Bill Barr was straightforward. He discussed things that were not favorable to Trump. He discussed things that were credit to Trump. He was very fair. It was a, an hour and a half interview. He was very fair. He seemed to be very forthcoming and very honest. What he said was that the left has overplayed its hand, that it's basically a religion now with a religious fervor. That's what leftism is. And that what leftism and that religious fervor has done is fill the void that was created when Judeo-Christian values and our actual history in this country were removed from public education and from public dialogue. And they are substituting their values, 
such as transgenderism and CRT, critical race theory, and wokeism, substituting their values for the principles and the values that were traditionally in the Judeo-Christian teachings. The problem with leftism, the problem with socialism, the problem with communism, the problem with what the left and the Democrats are selling is that there is no utopia on earth. And the promise of a utopian world where the government takes care of everything, where you don't have to work that hard or be that concerned about your own survival or your own prosperity or your own advancement in the world. The problem with that is that that promise is a poison carrot that's held out in front of people, but behind it is a stick of force used in the way that we saw it used for COVID, used in ways that the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and the WHO, the World Health Organization, are attempting to implement now. Many of us wonder how we got here, how we got this far. And when we look back historically, one of the questions that's often asked is, how did the Jews of Germany allow what happened to them to happen to them? They were productive, contributing citizens. They were good Germans. They believed in their country and they were part of helping their country be prosperous. So how did they allow what happened to them to happen to them? It happened slowly, relatively speaking. It happened in increments. And it was so unbelievable that it could be happening to them that by the time they realized it actually was, it was too late. Their rights were gone. Their guns were gone. The, the ability to defend themselves was gone. They had lost their status in society and they had nowhere to turn. And the world for a while turned its back on them. It's not easy to figure out how things go awry when they happen relatively quickly. And what has happened to this nation in the last year and a half is warp speed quickly. And so many of us are just waking up, not me and not people I know, but many others are just waking up because they're feeling the effects. They're beginning to feel the effects. Many of us saw this coming. We didn't need to feel the effect. We knew what the effect would be of what was being implemented. After the Sussman verdict came down yesterday, I texted a colleague, another lawyer, and I said to her, you know, frontline doctors during COVID broke with the ranks. They broke with mainstream medical advice. They broke with the jab. They broke with the pharmaceutical companies. They broke with the government. And they went out there and they gave alternative therapeutics and alternative ways to treat COVID, which turned out to be as effective, if not more effective than the jab without the long-term lasting side effects, the adverse events that so many have had. And I said to her, there were frontline, America's frontline doctors. Why don't we have America's frontline lawyers? And she texted back to me and said, because we don't know how to organize like that. I think there's some truth to what she said. Frontline doctors were providing practical medical therapeutics as an alternative to how to treat COVID. What would be the equivalent of lawyers organizing 
What could lawyers, I'm one of them, do in the face of a corrupt judiciary where here cases that should be heard, like after the 2020 election, were not heard, were not even given court time to be heard, many of them, where Sussman gets off, where Hillary Clinton walks free without even being brought to prosecution, Hunter Biden, same thing. And when you go into court and you get a result like you did in the Sussman trial, jury nullification, despite the facts, despite the law, I'm not sure what lawyers or frontline lawyers could do. As I said before, it's not easy to figure out what to do, but we must figure out what to do. Food and fuel will soon, by the end of this year, become cost prohibitive. That's not me. That's the CBO. That's the Congressional Budget Office just yesterday. Food and fuel will double the increases that it's doubled thus far by the end of this year, by late fall. All but the uber wealthy will feel that, will be radically impacted by it. And then a majority of people, too many, will be ripe for being manipulated by fear to move in all the wrong directions, to, like I often say, to go to where they told those people to go during Katrina, who wound up in despicable conditions. Not enough water, not enough food, rape and crimes committed within the stadium. That's where the government told people to go. Remember, the people who went in other directions, the people who got in their cars and drove to Texas, wound up being welcomed into homes by strangers who let them stay with them, who fed them, by charitable groups who took in people. Those people who didn't listen to the government during Katrina did just fine. So what do we do come the fall? Well, now you need to connect with people, whether they're your friends, your neighbors, or your relatives, who see things the same way you do, and try to share how you can help one another. And then, or while you're doing that, ask for divine help. Ask for divine guidance. Then listen to the answers that you get and act on what you hear. Above all else, keep faith. Keep faith in yourself, that you're an intelligent, as I always say, divinely created, free-willed being who has everything you need inside of you to make right decisions, to make life-affirming decisions, and to not be hoodwinked and manipulated by the kinds of corrupt people that I've just spent the last 20 minutes talking about who remain in positions of power for the moment. They remain in those positions of power. Do not succumb to them and their machinations. Go within and go upward. Go to your source and listen to what you hear and then act on what you're told to do. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with my voice. Hopefully I'll be back here again on Friday. Until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. 
please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.